This is Charity Anderson and John Hawthorne, both from Oxford, talking about practical adequacy and stakes, and comments are being given by Sandy Goldberg from Northwestern. So thanks. First of all, I want to thank uh, John and Charity for a wonderful paper. Uh, I also want to thank John for, for this great conference and for the others who are putting it on. This is really a wonderful thing, and for inviting me to come talk about a wonderful paper. So um, I'm just going to keep my comments brief. Uh, I want to, um, instead of reviewing what they've done in this paper, just um, tell you what I see as the, the really nice, uh, I think they're, I'm going to call them insights, um, talk about the state of play as I see it. Uh, I am not somebody who does a lot of pragmatic encroachment, so uh, I could well be wrong on this, and I would love to be corrected by folks who do. Um, and then also raise just a couple of questions at the very end about um, what, what the, the overall significance of this might be for three different groups of people. Um, so... Let me start off by saying what I, I'll use this for what I loved about this paper. Um, I actually love the, the beginning part of the paper where they point out that folks that have been pursuing the pragmatic encroachment line um, often think in two different ways and try to uh, um, advance their case in two different ways in terms of stakes uh, on the one hand, in terms of practical adequacy on the other, and that in fact these things uh, don't line up. That struck me as a really insightful uh, comment and a really, the examples that they use to, to, to illustrate that point strike me as, as really quite nice as well. Um, I think what that does is it sets down a challenge to folks that want to do um, pragmatic encroachment. Namely, it's time to start getting, getting the house a little bit more in order. Um, that, I think that involves two things. One of them is get, cle get clearer than, than people have been to date on what stakes are. I think um, one of the things that I was convinced of by the end of the paper is that um, it's not clear that we know what stakes are or how stakes actually matter to knowledge. And secondly, um, get clear on what the relationship is between stakes and this thing that, 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 is, known, that, that is called in the, in the paper as uh, pra uh, practical adequacy. Get clear on that as well. Um, Perhaps third, if I can say one third challenge, identify all of the, the features that we'll call practical features that are relevant to knowledge. Because one of the things that comes out of this paper is that stakes are not the only practical feature relevant to knowledge. If, if uh, the, the spirit of pragmatic encroachment is going to live on, what, one of the things we have to do is figure out all of those uh, features. So I think that's really, uh, I think that's really quite interesting. Um, I think it also sets down a nice challenge for the next, if you like, the next generation of people working in, in uh, pragmatic encroachment. Um, Couple of interesting implications. Um, so some of the, the examples in section four I thought were really quite interesting. Uh, I've talked a little bit with, with Charity and with John about these, but the idea that changes in facts about states, actions, uh, actions that are available to you or probabilities of the various outcomes given each one of the action, uh, action options, that changes in these things can actually affect your knowledge status in ways that one might regard as surprising. Um, surprising being my technical term, not theirs. Uh, that struck me as really a nice, a nice uh, part of the paper. Um, one thing that struck me as interesting, and I think that they actually emphasize this, but I'll emphasize it again, um, when, when acquiring additional information that can improve your, uh, the strength of your epistemic position, when acquiring additional information is low cost, that could, in many cases, though not all, in many cases, that could have the effect of destroying knowledge. That strikes me as very interesting. One gloss that they put on it was, um, I think uh, the, the option of, of, how did you put it, getting, not getting more evidence, but double checking. Uh, double checking can actually have this, uh, can in some cases have this effect. That struck me as really uh, uh, an, interesting, an interesting implication um, as well. So I want to now spend a little bit of time talking about where does this leave us. And in particular, I want to ask the following question. Who exactly is the audience for, the intended audience for this paper? 
Um, imagine folks who are critics of pra pragmatic encroachment. Folks who are critics of pragmatic encroachment are going to give the thumbs up. They're going to say, yeah, this is great. What we realized is uh, now we realize, given, given the work that Charity and John have done, uh, it's actually much worse than even we thought. That, that's, I think, going to be the reaction that they have. Um, what is the reaction of folks that are sitting on the fence? That is, they see the intuitive um, line of argument that, that people like uh, uh, Matt and Jeremy and earlier John and, and Jason Stanley have pushed. They see the intuitive pull of that. Um, they see the case against it. They might be the ideal uh, audience for this paper because I think if anyone is going to be moved to, to, to change his or her view pretty radically, it's going to be the fence sitters that are going to change their views and I think incline perhaps a way towards pragmatic encroachment. More interesting to me is the question, how much should folks who are already finding themselves identifying as pragmatic encroachers, how much should they be moved by this? What conclusions should they draw? So I want to say a couple of things here. It's not obvious to me that anything in this paper should, should, should give them one iota of doubt that they're on the wrong track. Um, if anything, if I were a pragmatic encroacher, my attitude would be, ah, this is great. Things were more complicated than we expected. But what this just says is there's more work to be done, work of the sort that, that I talked about at the very beginning of my, of my comments. Um, I don't know that, in particular, the examples that were given in section four, the examples were these other <laughs> aspects of the pragmatic situation where those aspects have an effect on knowledge. I don't know that were I a pragmatic encroacher, that would move me to, to, to question pragmatic encroachment. Um, what, what I think that would um, uh, move me to say is that things are more complicated than they were beforehand. Why wouldn't I be moved to, to, think, to, to call into question pragmatic encroachment? For the simple idea that I think what pragmatic encroachers acknowledge once you sign on at all, you, you acknowledge that or you, you take on board the, the thesis that practical, practical considerations can affect knowledge. Once you take that thesis on, that practical considerations can affect knowledge, I don't know how worried you're going to be if the class or types of practical considerations that affect knowledge is shown to be greater than you thought it was, which is what I take section four to do. Um, so although section four is, is, uh, uh, presents, presents what I think they would regard as the key challenge against pragmatic encroachment, and while I think that should be good news for critics of PE and perhaps interesting defense sitters, it's not obvious that it's going to move people who are already committed uh, it's not obvious that it is going to move them or it should move folks who are already committed to, uh, to, to pragmatic uh, encroachment. So what should those folks draw from this, from this paper? And this will be the last, the last uh, little comment that I want to make. Um, one, much more work is going to be needed to be done in spelling out what, what stakes are, what's involved with them, and how they're related to knowledge. I think this is really a, a very nice point of this paper. Uh, two, can we come up with all of the, uh, um, Charity and John haven't claimed that they've come up with all of the, the, the features of a pragmatic situation that are relevant to knowledge. Are there others? Are there reasons to think that now we've got an exhaustive list? What are the dimensions of the practical, if we can put it that way? And three, and this may be the greatest challenge of all, I would love to see, if I were a pragmatic encroacher, I would love to see whether or not there's an something like an algorithm that can take me um, from, as input, all of the all of the um, values for each one of the dimensions of uh, the practical situation, and that will yield as its output whatever the line is on the strength of uh, epistemic position that you need in order to be justified or no. I would love to know whether there is an algorithm, and if there isn't an algorithm, why isn't there an algorithm? Because if there isn't an algorithm, I think that may be 
my own opinion, that may be cause to get even pragmatic encroachers to wonder whether or not there, there's, something, uh, there's something here. But in advance of actually trying to, to do that work, I don't know that we can conclude, and certainly I don't think we can conclude just from this paper that that can't be done. Um, it's just work to be done, and I think that's one of the really nice questions that this paper raises. And with that, I think I'm going to stop and pass this on. Okay, well, um, thank you, Sandy, for your comments. Um, I'm going to say just a few things, and then John may have a bit to say as well. Um, so first, regarding our target audience, I think it's an interesting question to what extent our uh, paper should move those who are already fully committed to pragmatic encroachment and in what direction it should move them. And um, <clears throat> I think that... Uh, it may not be shocking to them, the sort of things that we say, but it should be troubling. And I'm thinking that if you thought, if you were a, a pragmatic encroacher and you thought that your view sounded natural um, in the kind of, you know, typical high and low bank and train cases, and, you know, some people point to intuitive data to, to show that a lot of people think that this is an intuitive view, um, I'm thinking that that's not going to be the case for uh, these examples. These examples look really bizarre. And so that should be troubling, I think, even if you are really committed to the view. And I think that provides um, an additional intuitive cost to the view um, for those who are already committed. Um, for the fence sitters, certainly we hope that it will be persuaded. I think there's also a group of those who maybe, you know, just over the, the fence and maybe they they thought purism sounded intuitive, but then they saw the bank and train cases, and we, they thought that sounded intuitive, and they weren't sure what to do, and they were a little more persuaded by the train and bank cases. I think we would hope that maybe those people would see these cases and think, no, now we're going to go back to uh, purism. So I think, um, I think the way I put it last night is that, you know, crossing the line to impurism, you know, they may have been willing to do that, but when, but when it looks like they have to go all the way to stakes refined impurism, I'm hoping that they'll come back over to the purest side. Um, and I think there's another interesting question about, well, what if you were already against pragmatic encroachment? Then what would this you know, paper have to say to you? And I think um, if, you, you know, if you had a, a scale of how implausible you thought of you as and you were already maxed out on, <laughs> on thinking this view was so implausible, then yes, maybe, maybe this isn't going to contribute any further implausibility. But um, I'm thinking, and, you know, and, I, and I, I'm a purist and I think empirism is really implausible, but I, I still look at these cases and think that it would be better for their view um, if they were at least modestly, you know, if it was at least modestly stable. So this sort of radical instability um, seems to me just a further... Uh, intuitive cost of the view. So I think one thing that our paper does is, uh, for those who already thought it was odd, it, it makes that oddity more clear uh, and sort of brings the oddity into focus, in, in addition to, as you said, just clarifying how the view works. So. Well, maybe I'll save uh, most of my remarks to Q&A. Just, just something to think about, I'll, I'll mention is, you know, as, as we said, Epistemologists throw around the ideology of stakes and say hardly anything about what they mean by stakes. Uh, and we explore that lacuna in the context of pragmatic encroachment, but I just mentioned you could also explore that lacuna in connection with contextualism, because there's an area too where people throw around the ideology of stakes a lot, 
cost of being wrong, raises, lowers the standards in an ascriber-sensitive way. And I think a good exercise is to actually bear down on the various notions of stakes and see how those claims look when you actually, uh, unlike what they do, look at the various notions of stakes in, in detail and when you look at the, a, a proper variety of cases where stakes can uh, play themselves, various notions of stakes play themselves out in different ways. So I, I just want to remind the audience that the, uh, the sort of thing we're doing is something that could be done in the context of uh, that, those kind of debates as well. But uh, apart from that, I'll just, well, let's move on. Let's take questions then. <coughs> <laughs> so, great paper. Uh, so, uh, I noticed in one of the footnotes you mentioned we had some bells and whistles in the book about reasons, and you didn't take those to affect the main points. Um, but if you do have reasons in the picture, if you go for a principle like if you know P, then P can be your reason for any sort of thing. It can be a reason for action, a reason for belief, but it can also be a reason, say, for having certain emotions, right? So being pleased, right? So if you know P, P can be a reason to be pleased. And when that happens, you're pleased at P. Now, if you go to a number of these cases, I don't have a theory about when <coughs> one should be pleased at P and when one shouldn't be pleased at P. But I think there are intuitions about whether one's pleased that can be rationally pleased at P. In some of these cases where you say, it'd be odd to say they know in the one case where they didn't know in the other case. And I think if you bring in reasons to be pleased, they, don't, they suggest you don't have a reason to be pleased in the case where you want to say, we should say they know. So that on our view, in neither of the two cases for each pair is their knowledge. So we'd have to go from case by case, but like one in which the attendant at time two decides he's going to charge $500 for the information. I just think it'd be very odd for the person suddenly to be pleased that the train was going to get to the relevant destination. Not only odd, but irrational. Right? And so the person isn't rationally pleased that P, but if they knew, then they ought to be. Right. So our principle has bite outside of, you get the idea, outside of just action. Okay, so, so you're adding to the to practical adequacy that, so knowledge requires practical adequacy and it requires, you know, being able to treat as a reason. But those are, are you thinking those are separate? I'm is, that a, is that a new, is that it's a new? new from the book. Yeah, yes. yeah, yes, yes. It's not new from today. Uh, <laughs> so wait a minute. <laughs> It's in the book. It's in the book, yeah. So I mean, it's in addition to practical adequacy. It's, you're not tying it in. It's not, it's not in practical adequacy. I think practical adequacy follows from it. So it's the more general idea. Mm -hmm. Now, whereas one maybe has a decent theory of rational action or justified action, expect utility, I don't really have a good theory of when one is rational to be pleased at P. But if P can be a reason to be pleased, that's a matter of being pleased at P, then <coughs> there's some potential for a response is all. Can I yeah. Yeah. say something? I think one thing to, to think about is 
but you start to see is there's a lot of priming effects in your uh, judgments about knowledge. So let's just let's I mean we could do it across time or across worlds, but let's let's look at three worlds. Uh, one in which uh, you let's call them no double checking, expensive double checking, and regular double checking. World one, you have pretty good evidence, no good evidence that the train's going to Foxborough. Uh, use the customary lack of imagination by just using some variant on <laughs> Stu Cohen's example. So, uh, so you have regular good evidence that the train goes to Foxborough. No double checking, no nothing. Okay, that's so. Uh, that's world one. World two. Um, same as that, except if you want, you can, you know, uh, pay every pay the cost of a house to double check. Okay. Uh, world three, you can double check for free. Uh, what tends to go on? I'm just saying sociologically in terms of patterns of judgments. If I start with world one, it's like, yeah, he knows it goes to Foxborough. I add in an expensive double checker, so I move from world one to world two. They say they think so. Well, you know, be a bit weird to just that, that, that you know, a super expensive, you know, uh, informant that I would never use for the life of me, you know, so that that would deprive me. Are these cases or sticks low? It's regular train goes to Foxborough, right? Yeah. <laughs> part of the thing, there's already a lesson of part one, which is practical adequacy doesn't move around with stakes in a normal way. So I'm not doing stakes, okay? I'm just doing. Sure. No, it would kind of suck if you didn't get to Foxborough, okay? <laughs> but, you know, just in the way that, you know, if you get on a train that goes to London instead of, you know, home, that's not yeah. that great, you know. High, the medium, okay. I don't know. So you've got the three cases, okay? I'm just giving you some sociology to begin with. If you start with regular, regular Foxborough, and then you move to expensive double-checking, people think, to themselves, well, it's really weird that um, it'd be really weird that just the availability of an ex of ex an expensive double checker would suddenly deprive you of knowledge. That you know, holding everything else fixed. So if I start with one and move to two, their judgment will be, well, of course you know, you've just got this mad ex mad person who's charging you, the, you know, hundred thousand dollars to give you boring information. You know that doesn't. If you start with three and move to two, you'll get a different priming effect. Um, you'll, uh, they'll look at three, they might well think, well, you know, you should double this. Double checking's free. Yes, well, it doesn't really know. So it's quite easy to get the feeling that you should double check. And anyway, it, suppose that's your judgment. Suppose that's your judgment. When you have free double checking, Completely effortless double checking by the practical adequacy test, anyway, you, you wouldn't know. And by intuitively, a lot of people say if you move from three to two, there'll be a priming effect in a different direction. I think, well, just upping the price of the double checking doesn't suddenly allow you to know, you know. And so, there's going to be a lot of priming effects now. Moving to whether you should be pleased, I don't feel but it's don't going to pattern, but don't you feel in these cases that you, when you make the variation. You make the say the uh, information cost five hundred dollars. It would be 
maybe it's the priming effect again, but although one, it, P is now practically adequate in the sense you're talking about, you don't feel like you can be rationally pleased. Well, look, yeah. go from one yeah. to two. We should be pleased it's going to fox for in one. And you said suddenly you shouldn't be pleased it's going to fox for it because there's some madman who's willing to charge a, uh, a million dollars to it double check. knowledge. What's that? Please. Yes, so what please. I'm saying, all you're but doing it, is, yeah. is, is, is reproducing. Ah, but, you know, if there's a reason you're pleased, you're pleased because... No, I, I know that yeah. being pleased the P will yeah. pattern with whether you know the P. Your judgment of whether you're pleased right. the P will pattern with whether you know the P. And I think in general, your reason yeah. for fine can be the P only if you know P. I mean, that's my view. I mean, it's partly why I didn't want to get into the ideology, but, but you know, so I'm perfectly clear that your judgments about knowledge will pattern with... But what we uh, want to say is uh, knowledge gives you reasons. They're not just I'm reasons not, to I act. I'm, but, but, I'm happy with yeah. that. I believe that. Okay, but they're not just reasons to act. They're reasons so to do a bunch of other things. Do you have things. any... Yeah. I mean, so there's priming effects in the three cases. So there's no stability in the judgments about the, the middle case. If you... I don't... There'll be exactly the same priming effects for the please that and claims. That's a problem for us or for everyone? Is that just something everyone has to explain? You think it's I mean, a special problem it, for it, it, it doesn't offer a way forward that, you know, you th if, if you have the view that you can, you know if and only if you can be pleased that P, you can uh, be happy that P, you can... I don't, I don't you know, have that view. Or, right? you know, if, if you can be... So particular, there are particular constructions that we think pattern with knowledge and we might differ as to the details there, but you'll get the same priming effects in both directions. In our little models of practical adequacy, um, the, 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 way, the way things play them, it plays themselves, the way it plays out is really weird, is that uh, you, know, uh, you, you know when there's a double checker, but as soon as the double checker starts to charge a lot, you, you don't know. Now, maybe you don't go with... But the worst case I, I don't think it's a particular way forward to say, let's look at the please that claims, because they're going to be subject to exactly the same priming effects as the... I mean, I agree that you, you know if and only if you can be in various factive mental states, you know. Right, but I, I, I thought the argument was, uh, take a, a standard kind of, what people would call high-stakes case, that you don't know because you can double-check, say. And now vary, so you don't know according to pragmatic encroachment in this case. Vary it by making depot checking cost a lot. And now it wasn't practically adequate, now it is. And now all the other conditions on knowledge are satisfied for so the pragmatic encroacher has to say, now you get to know. And what I'm suggesting is that the more general principle is not about practical adequacy, but about reasons. And there can be reasons that bear in this case as well and intuitively reasons to be pleased, in, in other sorts of states, reasons to be comfortable with that period. So, I'm just saying that the, our, our principle implies, together with intuitive judgments, implies that uh, you don't know in the second case, whereas you guys were arguing, we would have to say you did know in the second case. That's all. That's the only thing I'm, I'm saying. So I'm just wondering if, when you have high credence that the bank's going to Foxborough, but you have no option to double check, and so you know and you're pleased that it's going to Foxborough. And then you get the option to double check. You're thinking that now, intuitively, we should think that you're not pleased with it. Or it's, because uh, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling. Yeah, right, right. You have well, the well I know, but, 
And you, it's free in the first case. But I'm saying if you start off thinking that you know and you're pleased that it's going, and then you get the option to double check, and then you think now you're not pleased. And then you find out that And then you find out the double checking is expensive, and now you're thinking, but now no. you can't be now you can't yeah, be but you pleased. Can, can you? Can, can you? Be you? Well, sure. I'm thinking you're pleased the whole time because I'm thinking you know you're the whole pleased. time. You're pleased. Now we turn to you guys. So that, that, would, that doesn't sound like a cost to you. That because it's not about knowledge. It's um, you don't you don't have the intuition that after you you get this option to double check and then you find out that it's five hundred dollars. Ah, it's five hundred dollars. Um, well, boy, but. But yay, because I'm happy it's going to Foxborough. I mean, you don't, that doesn't sound like an intuitive cost to you, that you're, you, you get to just get happy again that it's going to Foxborough. But I, mean, I never thought you, well, I thought I was pushing that you did, I don't think you lose being pleased that when you have the option to double check. If so she thinks you're pleased in the first I case I think you know free. throughout, and so, right. yeah, so but can be That's a cost to you. No, that sounds like a cost. <laughs> that, you, so you think that's so, okay. So, I mean, I, mean I, I, I could see you saying, it's one thing to say that intuitively you know in that case, but if, I feel like we can have intuitions about whether um, P is a reason for you to be pleased um, that are independent of, of that. Just like we have intuitions about whether P is a reason for you to actually get on the train or is a reason for you to get on the train without checking. And so now the question is, is that the train is going to Foxborough a reason for you to be pleased? Um, keep, just, just think about that, and it sounds like, um, I don't know, that goes with my intuition. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's a, a safer intuition that it isn't when you have this option of double checking. You can't just be pleased that um, it's going to Foxborough. Mm -hmm. you know. So just, so here's structurally what's going in. You've got a necessary, con one necessary condition, practical adequacy. You've got another necessary condition, uh, a separate necessary condition, which yeah, is just one. They follow from the same thing. They follow from the same general principle. I'll put it in my ideology. <laughs> so I don't like your ideology, so that's part of the problem. <laughs> that I, I, but I'll put it in my ideology, which is your... <clears throat> In terms of the models here, it will be as if you've got one necessary condition, practical adequacy, another necessary condition, which is you know P, only if P can be uh, a reason. Uh, is available to you as a reason. But that okay. generates the practical adequacy. I don't, not in our models, but oh, in, okay, okay. Right, right, right. But suppose you didn't have our, I mean, I think you're more optimistic than you should be about how much you can do with that. I mean, let's go back to my three cases. There's a, the, the middle case, there's a guy, he's got a train, and there's a mad person that, that will allow you to double check by paying a million dollars. I mean, I mean I'm trying to even get a feel of how the mechanics of practical, I must, that's the case. Okay, what, now, with these little models, you can do something, but supposing we're not quite, you're not quite using my. Just help me out. How, how do I. How am I supposed to be. I'd like to have a theory of when you can be rationally pleased and when you can have. Well, I know it's when you know. I don't that's have to. Basically, basically, it's like that. I feel no, that's I, basically. I think you can be rationally pleased when you don't know. So we're right, going to disagree. Right, but it's, it, it's intuitive, I think, that you're, you can't go from not being rationally pleased to being rationally pleased when you find out the extra information is going to cost you rather than be free. Well, that's intuitive. It's also just intuitive that in the case, 
uh, in which you have to pay 500, you don't get to be rationally pleased. In, in the case we well, had to pay you don't get to be pleased that the train's going to fall through. That's right. In the regular case, so what you're telling me is adding in a man map. Okay, man here's the, I think the clear I've got three yeah. worlds. I, I want you to focus on the three. Well, okay. why <laughs> did you do it? Okay. Let's, let's take actual, well, I don't know if actual, but uh, the Roses Bank cases in the low stakes. I mean, they're very clear my cases. I, know, I don't want to I talk about the Roses. I want to talk about the three cases. Well, I'm tempted to say, you know, if I've looked at the schedule, look at the board, then I don't have to go check a third, fourth time and so forth. I mean, or even a second time. If I've looked at the board, I can see this one goes to Foxborough. In a typical sort of case, uh, and if somebody's going to give me free information, I've got to bother to talk to them. Why should I bother? But it's free. It's, no, it's, it's, it's stipulated to be no effort. So well, you're thinking you're... There's always some effort. I mean, we don't continually double-check everything all the time. I know that. Right. I know, so but because normally it, the, there's a decision theoretic explanation that it's an... It's, right, so there's, a, there's a disutility to check. It's no effort. No, it's not just it's already a habit. What's that? It's no effort to double check? It's no disutility to, to, to double checking. I mean, either effort has no disutility for you or whatever. But I, I can describe the decision theoretically. So if, I, if somebody could freely give me further information about whether this is a computer, then I, I ought to get that information? or. Gotta go get further. Computer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I know this is a computer. I don't know if I have probability one, but I guess I have probability. And now it sounds like I need. If there's free in, further information about whether it's a computer, but that's how it works in our models. I mean, that's yeah, so uh, in terms of the the, uh, the natural. We have other things to do. What's right? that? I know, but yeah. all those other things to do build in uh, idiot, you know, yeah. costs of. I'm just losing my grip on. I mean, it, it seems to me if it's if it matters some if 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 it's if if there's a train yeah. it's 0.95 that it's going to Foxborough it would kind of suck if it didn't and you can for no yeah. for no disutility it's just very weird to me it feels to me you're telling me you you know in that scenario is that what you're telling it just me depends on the payoff so I could, I mean, well, you know the payout, what, what do you mean to, you know, it would like, kind of suck if it didn't go to Foxborough. 0.95 that it goes no, to Foxborough and there's free double check. Here's the kind of conversation I have with my kids all the time. You know, they'll assert something and, and then I'll try to give them more information. I know, I know, they say. You know, they'll tell me, I know, like, I don't want to hear your more information. It sounds, it sounds like they're refusing free information. I don't know. I mean, when I know things, you say you are refusing. So, but you you, but you have got this fallibilist framework where you've got the picture that it's maybe only 0.95 on your evidence or something. And then it just depends on the payoffs, I think. Right. So the payoffs are if there's a bad enough possibility in which you know I believe it is false and I act on it and so forth. Then that can affect. Right, I, we do think that. But, but I can't understand but even really a sketch of a, of, of a decision yeah. theory where, uh, where it's free. even where it's free double checking and, uh, I mean, how the expected utility of double checking couldn't could fail to be higher than the expect. You know, the, Joshua, did you want to jump in? So I didn't. I didn't know whether, um, especially based on the things like your inability to sort of grasp this, whether is something like satisficing going on where you've got a bottle of wine and you know that if you wait till tomorrow, it'll be better overall. 
then if you had it today and this bottle of wine goes on, there's like this infinite sequence. This will always be the case that if you wait another day, it'll be better overall. It'll outweigh the cost of waiting, shall we say. And then some people have the intuition that, you know, darn it, just open the bottle of wine. Um, and so perhaps you're, you're thinking that, darn it, I know the thing. Who cares if it's free? Who cares if there's like, I get an extra cushy feeling of knowledge if I double check. I don't want to double check and I'm just satisfied with my knowledge. And that might be the kind of feeling that you're getting. Why is it such a bad thing if, if in the free case, um, we just say, sure, double check in that case? Yes, yeah, so you know, I'm not. That, that, that's fine. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just wanted to start with the three. I, I yeah. just wanted him to say, in that case, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we, so you don't know. Also, also. And how about then the when way, there's a madman who no. will charge a million dollars? Right, so now there's, there's two different ways that one could go in that case. One could say, we're not actually committed to saying that um, you go back to knowing. Because there are I'm not doing it temporally, I'm doing it modally. The three worlds. Oh, just three separate worlds? Yeah. Um, so one is that you're not actually committed to saying that you know in that case, because it may be that when there's in this kind of situation, there might be independent reasons to think that that is going to Foxborough is not a reason to be pleased that it's going to Foxborough in such a case. Um, I don't know why. We'd have to have some theory about what it is but, to be rationally but, pleased. But, but, but we are we, we are thinking yeah. when there's no double checker, you know. Yes. Okay. Then I, I, it seems yeah. to um, we've got three worlds. There's not three times yeah. three worlds. We've. I, I, I want to get you at least pro tem to sort of agree that when there's free double checking, you don't know when there's. Or, and the second way to go is to say that yeah, sure, you know when that case. Which case the. The, the amazingly expensive double-checking. You know, and so you know when there's expensive double-checking and then you don't know when yeah, there's so I don't, free double-checking. The he's not committed to that, but I mean, I think that's a possible way to go. After all, that's what the fallibilist purist wants to say about that case. So we'll just say, okay, fine, you're right, you do know in that case. I mean, the fallibilist purist wants to say you know or don't know in all three. Yeah, that's right. right. So yeah. they want to say you know in that case. So it yeah. can't just be that it's counterintuitive to say you know in that case, because that's what the fallibilist purist wants to say. So, okay, fine. Say so you know in that case. So we're not committed to saying you know in that no, case. No, I know you're not committed. I, 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 but mean, I was we, just trying we, to, we were trying yeah. to play with a model and see how it worked. Yeah, so, oh, but, you know. but you could say you know in that case, and so suppose you do. So you know in that case, when it's not a temporal thing, mm -hmm. it's just there's three worlds. But when it's temporal, it's just, it's just supposed to be a brute intuition that if, that if you don't know and then, you, and then something changes in this way that you can't be pleased about, and that's what's interrupting. Um, I, I do have that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's what's doing all the work. No, I'm just clarifying, that's, case, that's what's doing if, all the work. If you wanted to take the route that even in the temporal case, you, so if you, I mean, again, there's, there's, there's different ways to go. So in the temporal case, you could say that after the, the so it's free checking. Um, what's the order? So no opportunity, no opportunity, free, super expensive, right? Okay. Um, so in the temporal case, there's two ways you can go. You don't know when you don't know when there's free checking, and then 
you go back to knowing when it's super expensive, and then there's this counter, there's, there's things that are counterintuitive about that that you try to explain. I think you try to explain it by the fact that in such a case, you're probably imagining it as, um, um, imagining the subject as less confident because of this thing they've just been through. Um, and then if I really get myself into the head of imagining them super confident, just like they were in the original case, saying, okay, fine, I can't get the, I can't check. Okay, well, anyway, it's going to Foxborough, so no big deal. I, it's not so counterintuitive to me that the subject doesn't know in that case. Or you say, um, Actually, we're not committed to saying the subject goes back to knowing because once it's temporal, there seem to be these independent reasons for thinking you can't really go back to just being pleased it goes to Foxborough. So I think there's just there's like there's multiple options, and they can all be made kind of intuitively good or okay at least. Yes, yeah, so, so John, I'm trying to clarify the get clear on the dialectic. Sorry, John Cherry. Um, uh, so, so there, there's a problem here um, of trying to explain these intuitions for anyone, right, on, on your view, because as you say, there's, there's the priming effects. So if you start with case, if you start with the free double-checking case and go to the costly double-checking case, there's a, a strong pull to think um, you didn't know and you still don't know in the costly double-checking. But if you go the other way and there's no, no hope of checking, um, but it's a normal case. Uh, there's a temptation to say you know, but then when you go to the costly double checking, there's a, a, a strong urge to say you still know, right? So, so that's going to be that's going to be something that a purist is going to have to explain as well, right? Why that they're, they're going to have to say one of those intuitions was misleading. Um, so why why is it a special problem then for the pragmatic encroachment view? I don't think that. That um, the guy in, you know, with with nothing depending on, you know, on when I say low stakes, your typical low stakes guy, you know, and maybe he's waiting for the train and he thinks, well, I'll go look at, I'll go double check on the board. I don't think he doesn't. Know. I don't think the, there's this intuition that just because he's double checking, he doesn't know. So I'm not taking that as like oh. an intuitive starting point. Oh. I mean, maybe some you have to ask, I guess, if people think. The mere fact that you are double-checking means that you yeah. don't. But John, you, you were saying there's a primary I mean, effect here. We had a particular, I mean, pragmatic encroachment is a slogan. We had a particular model which ran with the practical adequacy idea where you construct a decision theory out of... These guys aren't, they're not explicitly committed to that model. And, you know... The first paper was committed to but, the, but the, it was certainly suggested by the first paper. It's certainly in the mind of a bunch of people. So we just took that model and ran with it. And so let's see what happens with that model. <laughs> you could back off from the model in, in various ways, and there are inklings of that. Uh, we just thought, let's see what happens with that model. What happens with that model, roughly, is you get certain really, really odd things going on. Uh, like, you know... You get these bank cases when, by learning that you're, if you just take the model in a, in a, in a very a face value and don't do any fancy dancing, you get the result that when you, you, know, you learn your child's birthday is on Friday, you thereby learn that the bank's open on Saturday. And we say, this looks mad. I mean, it's, it looks kind of very, very strange. Now, 
that that that, that result. Was that? You have to add things because the first right, 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 right. So I said in a flat-footed yeah. way, and yeah. then there were various moves. You might still stick with the model as state uh, exactly as we stated as a necessary right. condition, right. and then start adding in various uh, various ideas to 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 block the oddity, or you might just buy the oddity, <laughs> or you might say, I like the general idea that practical stuff matters, but I don't want to go with that model at all. I mean, I, we can't speak to everyone, but it seemed instructive to play out the model that's in, that's a fairly pervasive model, was certainly suggested in some of the literature, and see what happened. And then the model uh, threatened to deliver these results, because basically in these pairs of cases, the model blocked... the. the the, the necessary condition uh, blocks that, shows that one isn't knowledge. The other belief passes the necessary condition. And so unless you add some supplementary structural conditions, you, you're going to be left with particularly troubling result that you know in one of the cases and not in the other. And then we started to explore in a preliminary way, well, assuming you don't want to just live with that result, what sorts of Minimal, what sorts of maneuvers can you do just by way of supplementing the necessary condition provided by the model to block the result? And we started to explore some of, the net, some of those supplementary structural principles, and they looked like very problematic packages in various ways, but it was a bit preliminary. So that's what's going on. You can junk the model, and then we start again. You just go back to... I don't like all this decision theory. I just like the idea that you know if and only if you've got a reason to feel. Let's suppose we just had that. No decision theory, just... And then we just make spot judgments. I don't think you've got a reason to be happy there. No knowledge. I think you've got a reason. Knowledge. And we just go around. If, if that's the sum total of your theory... And I know this is a caricature. No, I know this is a caricature. But I'm just pointing out, if you drop the model and have the the touchy-feely kind of uh, <laughs> pragmatic encroachment, then the model, the, 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 the theory has, has, has a, a enough latitude in its commitments that it's hard to, you know, uh, to foist any particular knowledge claims because we you have a reason, you know. So I know that's a caricature, but you sort of see what I mean. If, if we just drop the model and go for that, then the dialectic becomes slightly different. What we were really doing was just playing out the ramifications of a particular way of doing pragmatic encroachment, namely via, uh, via some presumed toy decision theory that uses strength of epistemic position as the input, input probabilities and, and see what happened. And it, it seemed that there was a severe risk of really, really weird stuff happening and it was a very non-trivial task to patch up the, to supplement the theory with structural principles that had any chance of being true and which, uh, which bypassed the very, very odd results. That, that's sort of a structural sketch of what we're going we, We're all, there's priming effects for all of us, you know. We, 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 we know that. You might think, but there are certain particular patterns of judgments that you might think, we can't live with that, you know. Uh, and we were making a judgment call about what we thought one couldn't live with, which then required you either uh, dispense with the necessary condition or supplement it with some structural principle explaining why 
while we don't want to be skeptics, you, uh, you don't have to say that either of, either of the pair is, is a case of knowledge. I'm going to jump on myself. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, so I'm thinking about a version like Matthew's, um, but instead of, instead of being pleased that, let's just enrich our space of actions a little bit here. So say I also I carry around my book of truths, um, and you know, my mental book of truths perhaps. But, and uh, another relevant action here is whether or not to write down the train goes to Foxborough in my book of truths. And it's really bad if I get any falsehoods in my book of truths. Um, and you might think actions like that are kind of lurking around here that are, that are messing with our, our judgments about some of, some of these cases. You know, maybe, maybe mentally asserting is something like that. Mm -hmm. um, what do you guys think about that version of it here? I'm thinking this is playing a similar sort of role in response to the please that sort of, sort of things. Are you thinking that what you write down in your book of truths, you, you can't write something down unless you can act as no. if it were? Uh, writing down is an action. So, and oh, the, oh. And I, the thought I, is the costs of writing falsehoods in my book of truths are pretty high, higher than the cost of like getting on the wrong train. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so, so, you might know, so you might know P and not be able to write it down because the cost no, on, no, no, our, on a purist oh on a purist view, yeah you, that's, the pro, that's supposed to be the problem is that you might know it and not be able to I, I was thinking write this it was down a, in your book of truths I was thinking of this as a defensive move for, for mm. these kinds of uh, train cases here where so, so this is one, one defensive move for thinking that even in the case where there's expensive double checking uh, I don't know. And the reason is because even though taking the train doesn't turn on, or, or and, and just double checking here, but the, the thought is writing things down in, in my book of truths uh, is something I'm not allowed to do, even in, even in this case. Um, just, just so we get a feel for, so we, and in free double checking, there's, how do we, how do we calculate the, the, the uh, expected epistemic or whatever utility of the, the act. <coughs> How are you sort of thinking about that? I mean, the strategy here was to fill in whatever numbers give you the judgments you want for these for these uh, cases. Um, I don't know, but that's where, where if you thought that you knew in the regular case but not the free, then you'd think it was more expensive to to write the thing in your book when you can check for free. Uh, is that the idea? I mean, I suppose that's my pair of judgments. Off the top of my head, when I can't, you know, if I, if you get regular, regular train, yeah, you know, the train's gonna Foxborough, free double checking. Well, you don't know, you should check. Uh, I suppose those were the, the judgments, then I'm just, trying to get a feel for how to implement that in, in your setting. I'm not sure. That would then be, you'd have to implement that by some story as to how the costs go up of writing it in your little, you know, mental book. And it, it, I'm not saying you couldn't do that, but it, it, it's, 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 it's not immediately clear how to think about the, 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 the utility scale in a way that... Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not in a position to work it out on my feet right now. I see. I, so. yeah. Uh, Julian. No, I was wrong. Okay. Uh, you were the only person on the queue at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm just going to go back and just re revisit the dialectic of the worlds again. <laughs> oh. um, just to be, just, just so that I feel like people are on the same page. So, apart from the model uh, with practical adequacy, 
and all that. The, there is the following argument for purism. It goes like this. Uh, if not purism, then there's a difference between world one and world three, but there's no difference between world one and world two, and there's no different, uh, difference between world two and world three, therefore there is no difference between world one and world three, therefore purism. So there's that argument. In effect, John sort of launched that argument uh, into the sort of argument sphere uh, a few minutes ago. So now we, we have that. Of course, but I, I think it's a strong argument um, for purism. It do, I mean, wh when we have it, th th there's also arguments against purism. Um, for example, the following ag argument against purism. Uh, I forget now which is world one and world three, but anyway, you, you do know in the no double-checking world, uh, you don't know in the easy double-checking world, uh, all the pure stuff is the same in those two worlds, therefore not purism. And John's argument doesn't tell us uh, what's wrong with that argument. It doesn't give any diagnosis of where we went wrong. So in effect, what we have here is a paradox. We have um, a bunch of individually kind of plausible-looking things which are jointly inconsistent, namely uh, knowledge in no double, sorry, no, in uh, no double-checking world, no knowledge in uh, free double-checking world, no difference between worlds one and world two, no difference between world two and world three. So everybody has to find some way of making their peace with the denial of at least one of these things. Um, and then we're, uh, what you, you, we can argue is all we like about the rel relative costs of those moves, but I think it would be good if we could all at least agree that, yeah, there, there are costs and different people will weigh them differently. Of course, we should also, I also want to put in a word for uh, the contextualist move. I mean, in general, when you have a paradox, one of the important moves to think about is the move that says, oh, each of those jointly inconsistent things is good in at least some context, including the context that you're naturally in when you think about that one. And as a contextualist, that's what I'd be wanting to say. As a contextualist purist, I'd be wanting to say that the, the no difference claims are true in all contexts, while the yes knowledge and no knowledge claims are, are each contextually variable, but true in the context that they naturally put you in. So that's, of course, a, a further generic move available when you, whenever we have a paradox. Um, but I just, I just, this isn't really a question for anybody, but I just wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to nail that down as the structure uh, under, underlying the discussion that uh, you all were having earlier. Um, anyone who wants to respond to that certainly can. <laughs> of course, I mean, a, a bit of why I switched to the world one rather than the temporal one is there's extra complexities with the temporal one in that you might think that the wider environment of the world makes a constitutive difference to whether you know. And so the, it's, it's, it's in effect why I switch to the world theoretic one is to screen out some of those complexities. That's, yeah, I'm just observing that, yeah. Um, so just to go back to the way you used to, you used to run things back in 2005 or whatever it was, can you use P as a premise in practical reasoning? I'm just kind of curious. I still think you accept that, right? So you know it if you, only if you can use it as a premise in practical reasoning. Maybe anyway. Let's, let's, let's go back. Do <laughs> 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 you think that I can use it as a premise in practical reasoning in a case where there's no option of double checking, but I can't use it 
when you give me the free double checking. I, mean, I, I find I find that variation. I guess I I, 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 I could rerun the paradox in terms of using as a premise for double checking. I could say, look, the spot judgment in the in world one. I can use it's going to Foxborough as a, as a premise in practical reasoning. In world three, free double checking, I can't use it as a premise in practical reasoning. But uh, world one and world two are alike in terms of the availability of P as a premise in practical reasoning, and world two and three are alike in terms of their availability. And similarly with reasons, reasons, to, be plead, reasons to be happy, you know. Yeah. In world one, it's not a reason to be happy in world three, but it looks like uh, uh, world one and two are alike vis-a-vis -vis whether you're in a position to be happy about uh, the uh, uh, destination of the train, and world two and three look like you're alike with respect to it. So I feel it doesn't really push the dialectic forward that much by switching from... Um, uh, no judgments to reason to be happy to uh, be able to use P as a premise in practical reasoning. There's still um, some oddities to be confronted. And I'm not happy to go down that line, but I guess I just don't think it's... I need more detail about the case. I just don't think it's in general true that I should have to... Uh, I'm certainly... I'm, Required to take free double checking options. I, I just don't. I know it's plausible. I maybe yeah. a certain theory, maybe expected utility theory would say that I am, but then I'd start it, wondering not, about that. I mean, it's not us who's. This is just the yeah. fallout from the framework that. Right. We're, yeah, so it's not like we're trying to fallout. add, we're, not, we're trying to push this on you or something. It's it was, yeah, it was, here's a model, let's see how this model works. The way, the way the model clearly works is free double, you know, if you just do straight expected utility, free double checking. Maybe I'm, yeah, yeah. backing off on that, but I mean, I just don't think that's true. <laughs> What's that? The, I just don't think that's true about the computer here, but. Uh, but in, in the normal, like, train case yeah. two, in the normal case two, whatever it is, you do, are supposed to double check. Right. I, that's what I take. Your, that's what I take the free double checking case to be. It's just like a straightforward case two of mistake shift. Oh, if that's true, then I'm always. <gasps> am I, am I, am oh, yeah, I wrong in taking it that way? Yeah, <coughs> double checking ranks higher than that. So you okay, but I, just in general, that like with this computer, I need to, that I'm rationally required to double check if it's free. I just don't believe that. So. You can for free? I, yeah, yeah from, and then, I'm, then, I mean, I, and then yeah. I double check and it gets me a little higher, then I can double check again and get it. I guess it's free, so I have a hard time thinking about. I mean, what I'm talking about I mean, if we're just literally doing boring expected utility calculation, it's going to go that way. That's true. No, I, I agree with that. So I'm just it, saying that's the, yes. Yeah, I mean, it might just model, it might just be that in the background, though, the model, you might have the fact that double checking is a cost because it's taking you time, and time is so that might be driving your intuition that you're not going to keep double checking. Is but yeah. it's not going to rank highest when your time is valuable. And you don't need really. So. Yeah. I mean, it's fine to come up with another model and we'll see how that works. I mean, that's fine. Can I ask what's probably a fairly simple minded question? So, this kind of gets to Matt's worry about the free double checking and your kind of utility calculus. 
So suppose, maybe here's like a paradigm of, of free double checking. Um, Matt puts a little sign in the back of his computer that says, tell me if this is a computer. Right? So then what happens is everybody who reads that, you know, is supposed to tell whether or not they think it's a computer, so we all file PS as a computer. Right? So he gets lots of double checking for free. Is the idea, in, right? And you yeah. want to say, why would you, why would you even bother doing that? Yeah, I mean, you have to believe, you have to sort of process it, right? Part right, of yeah. There's every, certain so mental every time acts, now <laughs> somebody walks past, they're like, yeah, it's a computer, what? Oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> That's a cost right there. I mean, it's going well, to annoy you. Yeah, yeah. Do you that? Yeah, I guess I don't buy this whole idea of sort of free double-checking then. It's, it's, so free double-checking is an idealization the same way friction yeah. and are. It's, yeah. they're, they're not supposed to be. There's no real-life free double-checking, but, but there's a limiting case of cheaper and cheaper double-checking. And I thought you'd make so it cheaper. So you have to think through any kind of double-checking, even if it, you don't have to pay for it. I have to do some thinking to up my confidence, but I don't have to do that yeah, in this case. And don't forget there are cases where, which isn't exact, which are close to the idealization, where you could just turn your head and look at the, right. and, and look at the sign. You're walking towards the train, it's 0.95, it's going to Foxborough, kind of yeah, sucks if it went to Brighton instead, uh, and you could do that, or you could do it, you know. I mean, that's close to that's close to the idealization. I certainly agree. There are cases like that, but I just you would seem to be saying it doesn't matter what the details are, and I think it does matter with my computer here, for example. But yeah, once the details get spelled out, yeah, yeah, and of course it does matter. But then I'd say you shouldn't be pleased, and you shouldn't be pleased even if. You couldn't double check, and you shouldn't be pleased even if it cost. I think it just all goes the same. So give me start with like a, the high stakes bank case. Suppose you can't double check. I say you don't know. Now I suppose you can do it for free or do it really cheaply. Um, okay, that's good too. You still don't know. You just don't know in all of them. You're not pleased in all of them. You can't use it as a reason in any of them. So that's what I want to say. If you give me a case like that, and, but if it's the computer case, I'm... I'm not, not that, I gave you three cases. There's essentially free double checking. When you just have it, you turn your head. It kind of sucks if it doesn't. It's 0.95, okay? And then you have expensive double checking. You don't just have to turn your head, you have to pay a bunch of money to, to get them to remove the cover from the, uh, you know. And then... Then we can look at the, there are going to be very compelling pairwise judgments, whether you do it on no, or, where, or whether you should be pleased that the train, you're in a position to be pleased that the train goes to Fox, or we do it in terms of whether, yeah. yeah. So do you agree that it's intuitive that you ought to either be pleased or not be pleased? The same for all three cases. That's very intuitive. The, so whether you should be rationally pleased or not, doesn't depend on whether there's a chance of double checking, which might or might not cost something. That's what I think. But it's quite clear, by any re reasonable de decision theory, you should check when you can just turn your head and check. So you fail we're practical trying, adequacy right, so by any, I mean, if we, so you don't we know say you don't. I say you don't know in all the cases, if you set up in the right way. But then we have to talk about the computer kind of case, right? So it really, I think it does matter. I don't see how you can say we know and don't know, and we don't know in any of the cases. Is that, that didn't well, work. So that's a version where the book of truths one that that gets that elicits that judgment as I'm thinking about it. Say it's yeah. super super expensive to write down a falsehood, right? Then even if you're 0.95, 
even if everything else is, you know, uh, yeah. in the easy case, then you, you still get the judgment that you don't know by the practical adequacy test. But, but if you start saying we don't know in any of the case, any of the three cases, that's very sceptical. That's then saying in the case where you can't double check, where you've got very good that's evidence. Why I think it depends what the case is. You know, but I've told you what the case is. It kind of sucks if it's a regular getting on a train. You've got good evidence that it's going to Foxborough. That's the case. That's that. Yeah. I don't know why. It's, it's just a regular getting on a train case. I have it those all the time when I go to London, you know. I just think it, it, it isn't what, what counts is whether you can use it as a reason. That won't vary. And we have to just decide whether you can use it as a reason. And maybe there's a good case for thinking you can't, in which case it goes that way for all. Of those three cases, but it won't go that way for the computer case. What's, can you say a little more about what's different about the computer case? I think that's um, I guess I think I, even if there were free double checking, I don't have to do that. Because your credence um, is so high? Or? Well, my credence is very high. Is and that high there's just nothing at, particularly at stake right now, I guess. Or maybe, maybe it's whether there's a glass there or something. I just feel like. I could just say, I know, so I don't So you're telling to. me that when I have very good evidence that a train's going somewhere, it would kind of suck if it didn't go that place, I don't know. Is that what you're telling I'm just trying to understand what no, you're I, telling I, me. No, I might be up for that one, but you want to then say that I'm committed to skepticism if I go with you on that. That's what I don't agree with. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I just get yeah. the feeling you want to say I know in that case, but then I want to have you exactly. inspect the three things and the pairwise no, judgments I, are I just as Ian describes. It, I, I don't want to go on and on, but I just don't think it. <laughs> I don't think there's any. I know it's too late. <laughs> there's no difference in whether you can use it as a reason in those three cases. In the three cases. In your three cases. Adding. Even you know in one, and by any reasonable standard, you fail practical adequacy at the third. So you know in one, by any reasonable standard. I just don't think practical adequacy, right, as we've been saying, I think whether, it's whether you can use it as a reason that counts. And that can affect practical, practical adequacy. That's not the same requirement. So even though the expected utility using of, of checking is higher than not checking. Right, so therefore you don't know, and you don't know any other cases. No, no. Yeah, and you should still... You, you, you yeah, wanted sorry. to say that you knew in the regular... In the computer case. case. Oh. I'm not... I keep asking you oh, about three cases, about. and you keep talking about computers. Oh, I just want you to focus your mind okay. on three cases. They're my cases, and none have to do with computers. Can we just okay. say it's... So it's the, not it's case two. one is low stakes ca train case. So what we call no, it's my case. Uh, okay. I, I'm not repeating <laughs> Keith okay. DeRose. It's a train. It kind of sucks if it doesn't go to Foxborough. You, it's 0. 0.95 that it okay. goes to Foxborough. Then I'm happy to say you don't know in that. You do know in that case. You do yeah. know in that case. Right. Yeah. So and you certainly want to say in free double checking you don't know. So you don't want to say regular, that's a regular. Case two of the, the translator. translator. <laughs> <laughs> right. So case, case, I don't know. I don't remember the numbers. One case is a regular, like what are usually called case number ones or case right. A's. The second case is a regular case number two or case B's. And but it's not right because the third case is it is. And then the third case, oh. which is, but except I might get the numbers wrong. The third case is this new kind, which is there. You can double check, but it's going to cost five hundred dollars. And so now the worry is. You put that one with case one, which means you're going back. But the second one. Or do you put not, it with case two? It's not like the case B's because those are the stakes were what people would say the stakes 
were much higher. I think in high stakes bank case, they're much higher. In the first case, they're well, very bad. They are bad. bad. They wouldn't say the stakes are much higher, but they, <laughs> by, by any reasonable way of applying practical adequacy, you're practically inadequate. I mean, that's the point of the earlier sections is that this, these slogans about stakes okay. don't harmonize with the practical adequacy idea. And so we were, we we're holding as a fixed point the practical adequacy idea. And so if you hold that as a fixed point, then in the free double checking, you fail that necessary condition. You're, you're perfectly right that the, 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 in terms of ordinary uh, ideology of stakes, we wouldn't say. But that's part of the point of the early sections of our paper, that people are mushing together this, these slogans about stakes with these ideas about practical, but they don't harmonize at all. So true, I'm, I'm looking at cases where, as people would normally describe it, their instinctive judgments would be the stakes don't seem to vary. So it's, it's, I'm not doing, right. I'm, I'm not just looking at Keith DeRose's pair and I'm just looking at these three. So, and in my, so that, that is a difference. In the third one, practical adequacy isn't there, so you don't know. The first one, you do know, unless it's pretty skeptical to, to deny that you do know in the first one, regular train. So then, uh, but then we've got to do some, you know, so if we're using practical adequacy, we're either going to have to uh, pin the second, the middle one with one, we're going to have to pin it with one side or the other or say it's vague or something. And it starts to look very, very strange that <laughs> we say that, uh, uh, that we say that one of the pairwise judgments is false. Yeah, and then that's, that's kind of how the thing then runs and then that, that it, it starts to make salient a, a certain cost and starts to pull apart the practical adequacy considerations from stakes by looking at triads where, as people casually use the, the lingo of stakes, the stakes aren't really varying uh, very much, you see. Sorry. Just a little problem. So in the case, it, it's supposed to be worse to go to the wrong place than to pay the for the check. So I'm thinking if if uh, the cost of checking is is worse. I mean, it's, if it if it costs like you know uh, like uh, ten thousand dollars to check, and that and you would be uh, much more unhappy to lose ten thousand dollar than than to get to the wrong direction. Uh, then, by the regret notion of stake, the stakes are actually higher. Uh, you actually increase the stakes in the cost double checking place because you basically stands to make a choice that you <coughs> lose on uh, ten thousand dollars. So to, for the thing to work, you have to have uh, you have to make the cost of the check lower than the cost of going to the wrong direction. So I, I agree that on some natural theoretical ways of spinning out um, the <laughs> ideology of stakes, the stakes do vary across the three cases. I, I have a I can channel what epistemologists will say about various pairs. And I, pre I predict they'd say what Matt said, which is the stakes aren't really... Now, 
It's a good question. What, what notion of stakes have they got in mind that delivers the judgment that the stakes aren't varying across the three cases? But I do, I do have a feeling that's the spot judgment that they'd make. But I, I agree with you on various, various can, on, on a number of the candidate notions of stakes that are in the paper, the stakes are going to vary across the three cases. And the, the it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily reconcile the link between stakes and practical adequacy. Because no, 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 I know. If it's I really know. costly to check, then you are in a situation, by my standards, you are in a situation which is high stakes because you stand to lose a lot of money. Uh, but uh, uh, even though pretty clearly you won't do it, but in principle you could do something that we yes, lose yes, it. So yes, by my yes. standard, this would be high stakes. but. Uh, but there is still no bearing on practical adequacy. Yes, yes. yes. We're on the same page. I think you go back to knowing that in the big, in, in the expensive checking. Not forced into that because of the possibility that there's. Right, the right. But I, I think the thing to do is try to make that as intuitive as possible. Mm -hmm. so but just to go on record. <laughs> <laughs> and in the birthday, we had a birthday. Uh, yeah, the case. birthday case. Um, just I can't remember. Yeah, While well, we're going on record, I can't like remember. I can't remember, remember, <laughs> I can't remember the details. And Jeremy but it, Fantel said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whichever one you think is worse, I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> you learn. You learn that the banks open on Saturday, but when you learn that the yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you know you know you get that. Yeah, I'm going to have that. Scoot away. Scoot away. <laughs> <laughs> and you, no, we have a division among. So if we've induced a division among what was a previously uh, a harmonious rank. <laughs> 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 So if you look at the, felici the felicity of self-descriptions of knowledge for the guy on the platform in the three cases, do you think that has the same kind of... So you have, so you have the world situation, not the, the time situation. And if you ask the guy on the platform to, like, in which cases would it be felicitous to self-describe knowledge? Do you think that's just like, do you have any, you know, judgments on that? <coughs> I think it sounds fine. In all of them? No. Um, are these cases where there are shifts within a world? No. So the, it's, it's, it's yours. So it's, it's first of all, there's three different worlds, and you have the guy on the platform, and there's one case where there's no double checking, and there's free, and then there's expensive double checking. And then there's a question of in which world is it, this is like, is it felicitous for him to self-ascribe knowledge? To make the attribution, self-attribution. Yeah, I'd, I, I guess I'd rather start with a more mundane thing, and when would you self-ascribe? I mean, the felicity thing that seems too close to when it's true. Okay, then take that one. When would you? Um, I think you're less likely to say you know when you can double check for free. 
just I mean that's 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 what about the expenses? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to. Um, I think. I don't know. What do you think? I'm not asking you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of our triads might break differently. I mean, certainly the stuff about the birthday doesn't have an impact on whether you say you know the <coughs> bank's open. Yeah, wouldn't. Wouldn't. I mean, if we, we could do yeah. some, you know, that kind of thing doesn't make a difference. Whether, um, I, I mean, I, I think it's very hard in, in actual fact if someone offered to charge a lot of charge a lot for double checking most of the realistic versions of that the the fact that someone's got the information is charging a lot would have some evidential weight all by itself so we'd have to be very careful to describe the world in such a way you know I'd, I'd rather it that there's you know uh, it's at a distance the the timetable and I'd have to buy an expensive pair of binoculars to <laughs> to, to look at the timetable, then that would, you know, that would screen off, you know, the, the noise of, you know, a draconian double checker as we, um, uh, I don't know, I mean, uh, since you wanted to go with whether you would be inclined to self-ascribe in those cases, and you think you'd be more likely in the Free double checking case. Do you think you'd also no, less likely in the free double? So, oh, yeah. You'd be less likely in free double. Would you also? Yeah, be well, you could look. Just look. Do, do you not? You know. You go. Oh, let me check. But then, would that? Would you be just as likely in the expensive double checking case as in the free double checking case? I mean, what, I mean just what you're intuiting. You're asking me, yeah, for a judgment about whether you. Yeah. Um, My the snap judgment is you'd be a bit less likely to self-ascribe knowledge than in the no double checking and not uh, and a bit more likely to self-ascribe knowledge than if you could just you know if, if you just want straight empirical snap judgment that's my empirical snap judgment. There is there is this John I don't know if this moves you but this strikes me as a plausible. What do you think? Oh William, sorry sorry no no if, if no no that's fine. Um, so my, my buddy's along and he says, you know, you can buy this expensive pair of binoculars and double check. Nah, 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 it's not worth it. Why isn't it worth it? Well, it's expensive and besides, I know it's going there. That, that is something I could hear myself saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's my snap judgment on that case. Although I, I tend to agree with you. It's, it's, not as, it's not as clear that you want to go one way or the other as the other two cases. Yeah, so that's all I mean. I, yeah. I, I, I could imagine you doing that. I could imagine saying, well, it's... <laughs> Uh, but it's probably going, so I won't. It's not worth it, you know. I could imagine doing that. And, uh, so I could imagine going. Yeah. I mean, as an empirical thing, I pe think people will wobble more in that scenario yeah. than no, if that's there's no binocular. To, that's that, that's just, yeah, descriptively. Sorry, but yeah, but even in the free double checking, you might say like, well, I know, but let, let me just you know, double check. But I want to be certain. I mean, yeah, I know, I but I want to be certain. I have heard that locution. I know, but I want to be certain. I know, but just just in case, let me check. Or, yeah. So I agree. Some, but if we're just doing statistics, I think mm -hmm. when you could look. 
more people will say they don't know that. I mean, I think that there'll be, there'll be a curve. There'll be people. There'll yeah, be I know not everyone dogmatists agrees. Dogmatists yes, who I say I know, but you know, dogmatists, balloters, I know, but you know, what's no harm in double checking? Some people will say, you know, yeah. but I, I just feel the 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 proportion of self-ascribers will might vary a bit, just in terms of the statistical distribution. Mm -hmm. that, that's all. Um, so talking earlier about the problem of having cost-free double-checking, and it seems like this is an idealisation, but what you can definitely have is cases where the disutility of double-checking is identical to the disutility of any alternative actions. So imagine we've got someone in the station and they can either turn their head very slightly to look at the timetable or the alternative is looking in a direction where, I don't know, like there's someone eating with their mouth full or something. <laughs> kind of like, like minimally, you know, it's distasteful, but it's so nothing very important. But then, so you can say like, so suppose there are two things that they could do. One is they could turn their head to look at the timetable in order to avoid looking at the unattractive eater. And in the other case, they could turn their head and look at the timetable in order to double check. And I'm just wondering, are there different intuitions about like how inclined you are to ascribe a lack of knowledge depending on the motivation and intention behind the double like the head turning which in fact constitutes double checking so, so is the idea that turning your head is a slight cost but when you turn your head to avoid seeing the guy you get like an extra benefit because you don't just, have to look just at that, like the turning the head and the processing of the information is a slight cost, but so is not turning your head because then you're confronted with the unattractive visual scenes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're tied, you're thinking. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> just. <laughs> yes, so, so, so one, one way to set the things up is you could take two rats to the train, one a shorter rat, but pa past a very ugly eater, and, and the, you know, who's eating, you know spewing out whatever. <laughs> and then there's a longer route that's past the I think I've been in that the timetable. Yeah. And it might be very intuitive that given you're only 0.95 you should take one route, but conditional on being certain as it were, you should be indifferent between the yeah. two routes. And yes, so that would be Yeah, that, that would screen off that wouldn't have free double-checking, as it were, but would set up the utilities still in a way that um, by a natural practical adequacy test, you'd think that you're, um, the, the gap between your, your current strength and full strength makes a practical difference. Yeah. And so then by a natural implementation of the practical adequacy test, you don't know. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, so I'm agreeing with the spirit of what you're saying that you don't really need zero zero cost double checking. Mm. You can, you know, just. So, but in this situation that you set up with the two different routes, like someone might take the longer route past the timetable, but they might do that for two different reasons. <coughs> they might do it because they want to look at the timetable, or they might do it like to avoid the unattractive eater. And um, I was just. So you might, you might think, oh, well, if they're doing it harder to look at the timetable, I'm more inclined to say that they don't know the proposition about the train than in the case where mm, they take the longer route for like the reason of just wanting to avoid the unattractive visual scene. Because like in that case, the fact that 
this action constitutes a double checking. It's kind of incidental. It's not like the motivating yeah. reason. I mean, maybe maybe it would just simplify things a bit for the purpose, just to have two routes that are equidistant, one with the timetable, one with no timetable, and conditional on being certain you've been in difference between the two routes. But as things are, you ought to prefer the timetable route. Yeah. Uh, we, one could set it up that way, that there aren't the complexity of reasons that you're describing. Maybe, maybe it'd just be a little easier to, to run the mechanics in that case. Do you think? I mean... It would have the spirit of what you're... Mm, I, I guess it depends whether you're... like, Because I guess what inspired this worry was sort of whether talking about reasons. Like, so if double checking is an action, you have a view of action on which like, you intend to perform an action under some description. Mm -hmm. And in that case, you're only doing a double checking action. If you perform the... If you did it under the description, like, I'm doing this in order to double check. But, like, basically whether that's doing any kind of unexamined work in the intuitions that are floating around. Do you want to follow up? Yeah, maybe. Like, is the idea of the case would be if there is a case where there is a longer route, the shorter route, and in the shorter route I'm forced to double check, then in that situation it's better for me to take the shorter route. And therefore, it's better for me to double check. But the idea is that there, that shouldn't get to the verdict that we don't know then, because we need to double check. I think, like, I'm definitely less inclined to say that they don't know in the case that they take the double checking route because it's a shorter route rather than in order to double check. But you're not, but you're not practically inadequate in this case, right? Because conditional on you being one for P. You might go the double checking route, and and then you're also going the double checking route because you don't want to see the graph. Yeah, I mean, so then you are practically mm -hmm. adequate. Yeah, it's adequate. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. An objection or anything. Oh yeah, yeah. Wonder, like, I was though, 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 though it might bear on practical adequacy if you grain the actions very finely. So you might think one thing that you could do is take the shorter route in order to double check, and another thing, you know, if you start to grain the actions yeah. that finely, then maybe it would interact with. I, I, I don't know. Someone. I think that's one thing that's going on, is if you grain the actions, then there's an action that's okay. Taking the shorter route to, in order to double check is a thing that's okay uh, as things are, but wouldn't be okay. Uh, yeah, so it wouldn't be okay if you were certain that where the train's get going. Yeah. Christine, another follow-up? Kind of, the, the root thing got me um, wondering, does your view have any way of telling you what to do in the following case? You've got um, three paths, well, just make four paths, I what you're saying, right? One, they're all exactly the same length, and it takes you exactly the same time to walk. One has one monitor for the train, one has two monitors for the train, one has, you know, four monitors for the train, and the last one has, like, 15. Is there anything... Right, so there's a double checking, right? Like, which one, does your view say anything about which one of those paths you ought to choose? Or, I mean, I take it on your view, which path you're supposed to take depends in part on, you know, your pragmatic situation. How important it is for you to catch the train, right? You know, like, if you're wrong about this, your child dies. Well, you better go down the path that has it, 15 monitors. Does your view say anything about, right? <coughs> well, not if I'm certain that they'll all say the same thing, right? If I'm certain they'll all say the same thing, then seeing 15 of them doesn't give me any more evidence. Well, but I mean, they're farther down the path, right? So like, 
I mean, I take it if you're certain they're all going to say the same thing. But I, I was thinking of sort of like an easy, free, double-checking case. Right? You walk down the one path, but like, so the beginning, they all have a monitor. Well, the other one has like another monitor like halfway down, so you can sort of double-check as you're getting closer to the train. The so one, you just add that there's a little chance that they might be. Yeah. I mean, the chances are independent, and maybe they're not yeah. all synced to the same source or something. Yeah. Is your, is your view going to say anything about like which path you should take? Well, it's not our view. Of, well, or I mean, <laughs> I mean, if do you care? If it just works out that on a decision theory framework, the one where you get more evidence ranks the highest, then yeah, it'll be the case that you won't be practically <clears throat> that you ought to take the, the fifteen. Reasonable option is that. Yeah, but I mean, but, but again, like the, this is coming out of. The decision theory. We're, we're, not, we're not forcing this all, onto them. All we're, all we're doing is applying standard decision theory in a fallibilist framework where knowledge doesn't have to give you probability one. But apart from that, all we're doing, so we're assuming that knowledge is compatible with various levels of, and then, but we're doing what <coughs> Matt and Jeremy certainly sort of had in mind, which is a kind of. A calculation of what you sort of do, which uses as inputs utilities and as inputs the evidential probability, epistemic probabilities where um, uh, knowledge is compatible and turns out to be compatible with an evidential probability less than one. So, um, uh, your, your, as it were, your probabilistic situation won't supervene on what you know or anything, and so that. We were just seeing how that model played itself out, which is basically just how regular utility, uh, expected utility theory will play itself out. And then you can, you know, yeah. Jeremy, a short question? Yes. So I know Danny's over there, and I could have turned my head to check, and it would have been really easy, but I didn't. Um, I was initially thinking that that was a, would be a counterexample to a certain to the skeptical judgment in the free double checking thought. I mean, the stakes are actually fairly high. We, I mean, I don't know, it would kind of suck. It would be kind of embarrassing if Danny weren't there. Um, mm -hmm. Thanks, got to work that. Um, but then I was thinking, I, I wasn't even sure what free double checking was. I mean, one way I could double check, I, I guess, would be looking again. But another way could be consulting memory, you might think. I mean. I, if at this level of description, it's unclear exactly why perception d differs in kind than consulting memory in this kind of way. And it's like, oh, well, maybe I did <coughs> double check. But then, then free double checking is kind of, you can always sort of freely double check if you know. Because if you know, I don't know, you just consult memory, at least if memory is just sort of like activating knowledge you already have. I, I don't know, I just wanted to know how to think about double-checking in light of those sorts of issues. I feel like I've kind of lost my grip on, on how to think about it. Yeah, well, I was going to just make the general point that, like, we've been talking a lot about double-checking, but really nothing structurally in the, in the paper depends on this particular feature of decision theory. I mean, you might, there might be one or two small cases that then we'll have to change a little bit, but all the points that we want to make, like nothing really hinges on, on this free double, on whether or not double checking is 
is ever free or always free or anything like that. So yeah, sorry, I, yeah I, but but I think it's an interesting question. Yeah. This is I was thinking. It's just low, very extremely low cost double checking. Um, maybe not. <coughs> um, and stakes were non-trivial in a certain kind of way. The downside risk is I don't know moderate embarrassment or something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so, something someone appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, something looking at a bad mood for you know a few hours after that. Wow. <laughs> actually, yeah, actually. Oh, not me, but I would. Maybe, maybe for a half hour or something. I don't know. I don't know why I'm speculating that. I'm just off thinking. But anyway, like, yeah, you, you get the question. Yeah, because, I mean, we are in a framework where when you know you might only be 0.8, so you know, it might be. There are some things you can do that will, <coughs> will well, where, where there's an expectation of your commitment to whether you know, P or not P will go considerably. You expect your, your, your level of epistemic strength to go way up. And in, in some, of the, some versions of these cases, you don't particularly expect it to go way up. I mean, that's one moving part, at least. Oh, I see. So it's, it's, it's not so much. The, the fact that insulting memory wouldn't cause me to bump up my credences, whereas turning my head might. Yeah, that kind of yeah. That, that's at least one one thing to uh, prima facie disanalogy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah. It might, yeah. No, sorry, that, that seems right. Do you have a yeah. very short one? Yeah, I was just going to ask also about the uh, free checking. So uh, free double checking. So it, it doesn't. Um, if you're uh, if you're Reasons make it, sorry, <laughs> if, if you've already met practical adequacy, but then you add a free checking, right, then, then you might think, well, you, you, it might be uh, practically good to take it, but, but that wouldn't necessarily show that you're not, uh, uh, that, that your reasons aren't practically adequate, right? So, so you might, uh, uh, you, you might already be committed to taking the train. You know you're going to take the train, right? But then you can be offered a free double checking. Um, and just the fact that you would take the free double checking doesn't by itself show that, you're, that your evidence is practically inadequate, right? Because all, all the while you could be fully committed to thinking, yeah, my evidence <coughs> is sufficient. I, I ought to take the train. I know that. But why not double check? Yeah. Does does that make make sense? Uh. Yeah. So, so it so at uh, time t one you're practically adequate, and then at time t two you then have the option of double yeah, checking. Yeah, yeah. You then have the option of double checking, but just taking the option, I, I would think, doesn't. I mean, it's not like by taking the option, I'm all all of a sudden necessarily thinking, oh, I'm not going to commit. Yeah. Yeah. I no, might we're not, not saying train, that. Right? Yeah, we're not saying that at any. I mean. You might be ready to get on the train, and then you go look at the... It's not like while you're walking to the billboard, you're thinking, I'm not getting on the train anymore. Maybe you're going to get on the train even if you don't know it's going to Foxborough, even if you're only... Right. Maybe you get on the train even if you're only 0.5 sure that yeah, it's going yeah. to Foxborough. So, yeah, it's, it doesn't say anything about, about what you're going to do in the, in the okay, case. So it's just, just having, that, just yeah, it's just the preference that, to double-check doesn't, doesn't thereby show that you're... Well, well if you prefer to double, if you prefer to double check, and rather than you know just get on the train, then you are 
practically inadequate. And, that, and then you have the practical inadequacy test on well, yeah, knowledge, and then you fail. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about, though, because right, it seems like I could be walking to the train. Um, my evidence is practically adequate, I think, as I'm walking. And then all of a sudden I think, oh, free double-checking. My evidence is practically adequate, but why not? It's free, right? So uh, all the while I'm committed to you know, going... Um, but you'd be wrong when you're walking along and saying, oh, it's practically adequate, here's freedom. It's not practically adequate because, as we set it up, because conditional on P, you'd be indifferent. At, uh, if you conditionalize on P, then your condition, the conditionalized um, epistemic the expected utilities are ones where you ought to be indifferent between double-checking and just walking straight ahead. Whereas as things stand, you oughtn't to be indifferent between yeah. double well, turning your head so and walking but, straight ahead. So you're not you're, you're wrong if you th if you say to yourself you're uh, practically adequate. We can keep talking about this at the pub. Um, let's thank Sandy and Charity and John. <laughs>